Welcome back to Munmukti's podcast, Stories of Stigma, where we speak up about the South Asian mental health and the stigma surrounding it with individuals and professionals in the industry. Today we have a special guest with us, Coach Shanita Liu. She is a certified transformational life coach and shows women and girls how to tune in and reconnect to their courage, power, and strength so they can stop sacrificing themselves and start transforming what's in their hearts into realities. Thank you for coming on our podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you. So today, what we wanted to get into was you did mention that you are a life coach and a certified life coach at that, right? Yes, I'm a certified professional coach, and the kind of coaching I do is transformational life coaching. What exactly is life coaching for people who don't know, and what is like what is transformational life coaching in essence? Yeah, so coaching is helping you move the needle on a goal that you want to achieve. Super simple. And the top two things that a coach offers to a client Mm -hmm. is support and accountability. Because I don't know about you, but if I try to set out to do something, if I don't have someone to report back to, or if I don't have some kind of system holding me accountable, then guess what happens, right? Yeah. very likely that you might not follow through. Think about weight loss. Think about eating healthy. Think about any goal or task that you've kind of set for yourself. Um, And what's different about transformational life coaching and the coaching that I do is that it helps a client dig deeper. So all day long, You go to work, you come home, we spend all this time up in our heads. Mm -hmm. This is where we're go, 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 talk, 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 busy, busy, busy. And we're very rarely tuning into what's in our hearts. And that could be, man, I'm feeling scared about this thing. Or man, I'm feeling so nervous. I'm not sure what I need to do. But guess what happens? We distract ourselves and then we shut down that voice. We shut down the messages that are coming from a place that holds infinite wisdom. And as a transformational life coach, my goal is to empower you to get clear on what's really going on so that you can get empowered and feel powerful to tune into that voice, to tap into that power, and then actually go and take action, having some concrete action steps to do something from that place. No, for sure. I mean, I agree because especially like nowadays, it's, it's, kind of trendy to just, you know, uh, we'll, we'll take care of it when you get to it kind of thing. Like in the moment, you don't really take time to think what, what you really want to do or what will be beneficial to you. So I guess understanding that and, you know, talking to a life coach can be transformational. Absolutely. There's this phrase that people use, like feeling all the feels, right? (laughs) Feel into your feelings. Well, it's true. You know, we don't do that. And when we do, we run away like it's a big, scary monster. And there's no doubt that like that can feel and be scary. Trust me, as a life coach, I have had an army of other life coaches support me and coach me through my stuff. Mm -hmm. But that stuff is so important. And if you neglect it, it can lead to some really not cool consequences. Like what? What, what would be the consequences of 
constantly shutting yourself down and, you know, not thinking about things or running away from things. Mm, the first consequence that I can think of that I specialize in is burnout. And so I help people say goodbye to burnout because guess what? We are burning out in our jobs. We are burning out at home, in our families, in our relationships, as students, right? Whether you're in undergrad or grad, um, we are just running ourselves into the ground. And it's scary to say, you know what, I got to take a pause because I feel tired. Oh, no, but wait, I can't afford to feel tired right now. I just ought to work myself into the ground until I cannot give anymore. And then guess what happens? Kapoop. You know, you're an ultimate hot mess, breakdown. And it's, it's not cute. Right? And, and, And we all know that burnout is bad. And yet we keep doing it over and over and over again. I mean, I've personally felt this because the the Instagram motivational gurus will tell you your <laughs> sacrifice. Like you you don't stop, you go at it, you you keep going at it. Like if you if you take a moment to breathe, you're wasting your time. Like your twenties are not the time to sit down. So I think because of that mentality and because of the competition that's out there, people don't feel like they deserve a break. And and I don't know if you read recently, but Oregon became the first state to approve students of taking mental health breaks in, in their in their semesters. So they can apply uh, and they can fill out a form saying, hey, I need a mental health break. I'm, you know, getting close to burning out can I take a week off or can I take two days off or something? So I feel like it's slowly as people become more aware of their mental health, it's slowly becoming, you know, acceptable to take a break. But on the other end of the spectrum, people are telling you like, Hey, your twenties are not the time to stop. What you're feeling is not real. Burning out is not real. So what do you, what do you say to that? Oh boy, I got a lot to say. But to your point about the university implementing that um, offering to Mm -hmm. their students, that's amazing. Um, I actually didn't know about that. And for over a decade, I actually, professionally, where I've been has, um, I served as a college success advisor. So, you know, I come from a first generation low income background. And mm-hmm. over the last decade, I have supported students in a college advisor and college coach capacity to support students who are like myself, you know, to and through their journeys, helping them with the academic, the financial, the socio emotional, the career, all of that, all of those pieces that can cause so much stress and anxiety that leads to burnout. So kudos to that college for making that change because I'm telling you right now, it's yeah. it's going to do wonders for the students. And I really hope that more institutions of higher education implement um, strategies and policies and things like that that are going to help students because it's real. Like and And actually, that's part of why I got into coaching because it didn't matter how many how many um, sort of transactional strategies I was giving to my college students to help them, you know, get the A in physics or, you know, get some scholarship money to, you know, close the gap on their financial aid that semester. It didn't matter how much I said when I didn't hold space for them to really share what was coming up for them. 
they weren't following through. So I think yeah. one outcome, right, we have these laundry lists of tasks and things that you have to do, whether you're in school or whether you're in the workforce, but guess what? You're not going to follow through on any of that, or it's not going to be a hundred percent because you're tired because there's other stuff that is emotionally taxing that is hindering your ability to get things done. It's the very thing. It's like a vicious cycle, right? You're trying to get things done and then you can't get anything done because you're so tired because you're so stressed out because you're so wiped out and burnt out. Um, and to your point about, you know, people discounting you feeling burned out and not subscribing to burnout in general, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm part of this generation too, where people are like, suck it up. You know, you got to work twice as hard, twice as fast. And, and don't get me started on sort of the Instagram (laughs) culture, um, and all of these motivational memes, which are there in an effort to help you keep fueled up. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how many memes you look at or motivational videos or podcasts that you listen to. If you are not doing what you need to do to fuel your own insides, and I mean that on a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual level, then guess what? None of that stuff is going to work. So what you are experiencing is real is valid. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who tells you that or, or makes a snarky comment, here's what I would say to them. Have you ever felt tired? Have you ever felt so tired that you couldn't even think or function? And just pause and see what he, she, they says. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you know, cause our parents uh, will be usually the first, like as, as, especially South Asian parents, they'll be the first one to tell you, Hey, suck it up. Um, and they'll, they'll bring the classic typical, when I moved here, I had to work (laughs) two jobs and do this. And, you know, I applaud them for that. Like they, they did work hard, but at the same time, I'm sure they felt tired. I'm not sure whether it's because the ignorance of, they don't understand that the stress they're feeling or the, the fact that they're tired is because they're burned out or or they just don't understand the concept altogether. So they don't want to accept when someone tells them that this is real. Yeah, I feel you. You know, I'm Indo-Guyanese American, first generation. Um, So being from both the Caribbean and the South Asian diasporas, I totally hear you on that and come from a family of, you know, work the two jobs, had only $5 in my pocket, you know, like the whole nine yards. And that takes an incredible amount of strength and courage and endurance and you name it. But here's the thing. I think one thing that we're not talking about, and honestly, it's taken me a while to even get to this kind of aha about it, is that a lot of us come from this legacy of sacrifice, right? Think about colonization. Think about patriarchy, all the marginalization that our peoples have had to endure, where, you know, our ancestors and those that came before us were forced Mm -hmm. to put their heads down, shut up, work hard, and sacrifice everything you possibly could because you had to. It wasn't safe for you to take a mental health day when you were, you know, slaving for somebody else, right? And so we have to acknowledge that piece of it because even Mm -hmm. though it feels heavy, 
we have to note it because it is literally something that has been passed down to us generation after generation. And even though we're here, we're in America, and we know that there is an opportunity to have a different kind of lifestyle, it's still in our DNA. Yeah. And that's what makes it even harder for us to make that shift in mindset and behavior so that we don't have to be the workhorses that we saw our own family members doing. But to your point about the shutting down, well, what do you say when someone says like, I don't believe it or I don't acknowledge it? Well, no one ever gave our people exposure and access to acknowledge that. Exactly. It wasn't okay yeah. to say that you're tired, right? Yeah. It wasn't, you know, that was a sign of weakness. And I don't know about you, but like I grew up with like, get, you know, I was wearing a gold star and a badge for all the things that I was taking on. The more I could run my list to someone and say, I'm doing this and I'm in that club and I'm working five jobs on campus and I'm doing all of this stuff, man, oh man, I felt like a winner. And guess what? I was like falling apart inside. But yeah. again, like I, you know, no one has given our parents and those that came before us permission to feel because it was a dangerous thing to do. And now that we are in this sort of awakening and this shift in our culture, in our country, all over the world, I think now we can finally do something about it. I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and she, she said burnouts aren't ingrained in immigrant work ethic. And the fact that you mentioned colonization and like how they just didn't have a say in whether how they feel and that just subconsciously like passed down and through generations and even though we live a comfortable life now it's hard to say we're not okay so i guess the fact that there is a new awakening in, amongst this generation it's helpful to to you know take a minute and say it's okay to not be okay right like and and i'm not like i don't know how you would explain this to older generations i'm not sure if that's even you know possible because they they just they just don't know they don't understand the the concept so how would you tell them like hey now you know you did mention that you can counteract question them and say have you ever felt tired but some people wouldn't admit it because they think it's a sign of weakness so to your point of what you just said mm -hmm. guess what that is judgment and that is shame yeah. lots and yeah. lots of yeah. it right buckets of it and, you know, in our culture, right, we're trying to do everything under the sun to avoid judgment and shame and criticism. We need to show everyone we are perfect and we yeah, have I mean, all together. <laughs> you did say, like, you know, I, I do the exact same thing that you mentioned about, you know, signing up for every club out there, doing everything possible to just make yourself look good to the public eye. But then you know yourself how much you're struggling to keep up with everything because you've spread yourself out so much. You don't know which direction to run into. And, you know, I agree that we are a community of like, you know, public display. Like we just like to do things to show others like, Hey, I'm better or I'm doing this or this is what I've achieved. But it's still not acceptable to this day to say, Hey, I have achieved that, but let me take a break. Let me take a minute and figure myself out. Personal experience, my family, my cousin took a gap year from med school, after med school, to just, you know, take a break. And 
she got so much crap for it. She she wasn't, you know, accepted in the family for that whole year because it's not okay to take a gap year. And what is that about? It's about, man, what are other people going to think yeah. of me, of us, of our achievement of the American dream? Oh no, now we are delayed one year. And it's very heavy stuff and it's very real stuff that our parents and our families place all of these expectations on us, right? And especially mm -hmm. in the South Asian diaspora, boy, oh boy, boy like that is like, <laughs> yeah. to the, to, you know, exponentially high. And so <clears throat> to what you shared about how do we have that conversation with the generation before us, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I have figured out how to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that, take it off the table, it's not possible. Right. But it, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents and our aunties and our uncles, they are older. Yeah. So they do what they know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the longer you live, you get stuck in your habits. And it's very yeah. difficult yeah. to shift those mindsets, to change your behaviors, to take small action steps over time to change. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it takes either dire circumstances, like someone getting sick, mm. really sick to the point where they have to change their lifestyle, their diet and all of that, yeah. or it doesn't change at all. And it is a little sad. I'm not going to lie. You know, as a coach, part of my own healing mm -hmm. and part of my like little girl wounds is, is the grieving of that. I think for many of us, especially females because the layers of expectations are even higher because yeah. we are females, right? Um, there is a space that we have to hold for ourselves to maybe make peace with that and say, you know what? I may never get that understanding from mom or from whoever, but I also know what I need to do for me. But here's, this is where coaching comes in because that, that shift between I know that what works for them doesn't work for me mm -hmm. to what works for me and how do I cultivate enough courage to do that without regret, without worrying about the possible shame or guilt that comes with that. That's where the coaching comes into play. That's where someone like me comes in and says, how do we empower you mm -hmm. to say, you know what, that voice in my head that keeps shutting me down, that keeps asking me, are you sure you want to do that? Are you good enough to do that? Don't yeah. you think that's a bad idea? I'm the person who gets to come in and say, how do we address that? How do we really get clear on what's holding you back or who's holding you back? Right. Cause it's always like some voice of somebody that's yeah. been in your life yeah. in order for you to say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me. But guess what? You, you telling me that I'm not enough. That's not supporting me right now. That's not serving me right now as I'm trying to build my personal wellness and grow my career and do the things that are going to. About the generation before us, but I would say this, there's not much we can do about the generation before us, but we have ourselves right now. Right. And what can we do to be a demonstration of better behavior for the generation thereafter. So I'm a mom of two, and my mm. kids are only toddlers. They're pretty young, but guess what? I know that if I work myself into the ground, I'm a demonstration of that to my daughter and to my son. I am showing them 
that this is okay. I'm mm -hmm. showing them that this is the way. I'm showing them that acknowledge, not acknowledging my feelings and working tirelessly is the way. And there's the way to success, whatever mm -hmm. success right. looks like, right? All caps, font 72. Um, success, right? That's all, <laughs> what, all we want. That's why we moved over here. That's yeah. why, you know, that's why our countries are, our, our families are trying to do better for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I just know that if I don't change my ways, I will be a demonstration of that to my kids and I will pass on the same thing to the next generation and say, look, if you don't have a kid for anybody who's listening, think about the day that you do or think mm -hmm. about working with young people. What kind of exemplar do you want to be, you know, for any educators or folks who are out there? So, uh, and, you know, there, there was so much information and I love it because <laughs> I, I've, as you were saying, I was thinking through my own personal experiences and people I know who who deal with things like that. And I'm like, wow, that's that's really something that they can apply to their lives, but they don't. Is there anything specific? Because you, you did mention that you are uh, a life coach specifically for women and girls. Is there anything specific that you've noticed throughout your career that that's like, you know, a common thing that's holding someone back? Because especially like women, they, they juggle a lot of different things. And so there's always something uh, like a voice in their head. But usually it's someone or s someone in specific that's holding them back or something they fear would be the consequence. And that's, that's holding them back. What is something? Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm a life coach and I've served men, women. You know, the, the reason why I've sort of narrowed my focus on women and especially mm -hmm. young women, too, is simply because it's a lot of my own relatable experience. I think one thing that has sort of been a source of support and relief for some of my clients is just knowing that there's another woman of color who gets it, right? Uh, just yeah. knowing someone like, oh, I don't gotta explain that, why my dad is like that, or you know, I don't gotta talk about that stuff, you just know. And so, you know, as a woman, I am a mom, I'm a business mm -hmm. owner, um, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, and so you're right, there are so many, expectations about when are you going to start your family or yeah. like, you know, are you, are you bringing in as much income as your spouse or your partner or, you know, like, right? Like they're looking at us even more when it comes to being the demonstration for society and for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think the number one thing that gets in the way, whether I'm working with a client who's considering career transition or starting their own business or, you know, deciding between X, Y, and Z is fear. I am scared to death that if I decide to pursue this thing, what are people going to say? What's going to happen to my financial security? Mm -hmm. You know, will I get support from my partner or my parents or my friends? And man, oh man, can I, can I actually go through it? Like, am I enough to do this, to mm -hmm. follow through and to be successful? So what, when, when do you, uh, at what stage do you come in and say, hey, you are, you know, able to fin get through this task. You are able to be financially stable on your own. You are enough for yourself. And then you can give yourself to someone, you know, you, you can provide for someone. It, you know, it, for people who don't even know what burnouts are, when do they know that they need a life coach? When, when do they know that it, it is time for me to get some professional help? 
Yeah. Well, here's the truth. A lot of us don't know that yeah. we're burned out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. How do you even approach that situation? Like, oh, I'm now I'm feeling burned out. Because usually it's someone telling you, hey, you look burned out or like, hey, you're stretching yourself out. Right. Yes, or no. are you collapsing on the floor? Are you yeah. sobbing on the New York City subway like I was back in 2015 when I was like, all right, I need to do something about yeah. this now. Um, so when it comes to the burnout conversation and identifying it to begin with, the mm -hmm. reason why we don't is because we have normalized these behaviors. We have normalized extreme depletion mm -hmm. and fatigue, right? And so, you know, again, coming back to our parents who are who prime examples of showing us what it means to work hard without breaks, without a mental health day, without mm -hmm. any of that stuff. We just do what we saw. We just do yeah. what we know. So until we hit the breaking point or someone calls us out or there's this huge, you know, fire to put out, that's when we say, oh, man, something's something's off. But guess what? That was not an overnight thing. Those yeah. were small behaviors that you were exhibiting over time that you knew in your body and in your brain that they did not serve you, but you still kept going because you probably influenced by all these other people doing this and wearing their little badges and gold stars that you, you just didn't own. think you didn't you weren't able to give yourself permission to sit down yeah to relax to feel to think to breathe to cry to sleep for 10 hours you know like you and and it seems so simple but because we have normalized these you know utter fatigue behaviors. Yeah. That's why we don't know. So that's, that's sort of part one of this answer. Part two is when it comes to the actual, you know, where does a life coach come in or any kind of coach or professional support? We also have to think about this. Are we okay asking for help? Because that's another part of this equation. Yeah. Many of us are so resistant and scared and hesitant to ask for help. Why? judgment shame mm -hmm. yeah. um what will they think and oh no if i ask for help that means that i really can't do it all by myself yeah well ding 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 that's okay right but nobody told us that nobody gave us permission to say you know what it's okay to ask for support Mm -hmm. on anything regarding our yeah. lives relationship um mental health whatever it is and so that's the other piece that has to be acknowledged. You have to feel like you, or you have to be willing to say, you know what, I could try using some support on this. Who do I ask? Because a coach can come in at the beginning of the burnout spectrum to say, you know what, here are your red flags in the making, and let's see what we can do to prevent and course correct. But then a life coach can come in at the very end, like the way it happened for me. I had to burn out badly in order, in order for a coach to say, oh man, Shanita, you know, you got, there's a reason why a lot of this stuff keeps replaying and let's get to the bottom of it once and for all. So, I mean, to personally, to me, it, it seems like it should be mandatory for people to go to a life coach every six months. Like we go to a doctor's appointment because, you know, that's yes. special. <laughs> like prevention is better than cure. Right. So like it's better to just go and have that conversation, figure out where you are in life and go from there instead of like, oh, crap, I'm deep down, burned out. Let's fix that. Like, you know, it, it just takes more time to fix something than to prevent something from happening. 
I love that you said that, but guess what? When do you really go to the doctor? Do you really go to the doctor because you want to go prevent something or do you go there because you are sick as a dog? Well, usually <laughs> the, the, the doctor's assistant calls you and you're like, hey, you should come in. So, I mean, but either way, I mean, I, I still think that like it, there should be something that like, you know, people should normalize, like going to a therapist or just life coach you, know, you just talk to people about or you know it's it's like an aa meeting but not really like you just you know talk about what you're dealing with and where you want to be because i feel like if you just keep it in your mind like here's my goals i kept it in my mind you're not going to do it because you have you you don't have one goal you have like multiple others and you don't remember them. But if you like, you know, speak it out to someone, you say it publicly, like, hey, this is what I want to do. Then you're sort of like telling yourself, hey, now I've committed to this. People know about it. If I don't, you know, follow through it, then I'm going to look bad. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of like a, a self-motivator to like do something. So there's something interesting that you just did there. If I don't do this, I'm going to look bad, right? Yeah. So what does that come back to? Oh, man, whatever I'm doing right now is about someone else's approval. Mm -hmm. And so there are a few things that you, you just mentioned that I wanted to speak to, which is one, you know, what if it was okay for us to not have someone's approval? What if it was okay for you to say, you know what, I'm okay with taking a day off every week? to do absolutely nothing. And that doesn't mean watch Netflix all day or be in front of a screen. Mm -hmm. That means I'm going to put my bare feet in the grass and I'm going to be okay with not producing something today or achieving any goal today because the only goal I have in mind is making sure that my brain and my body work properly so that I can make it to work on Monday morning. So that's kind of one thing I would yeah. offer, right? Because because yeah. here's the thing, we are a very goal-oriented culture and there's nothing wrong with that. And I do agree we must, you know, not just think about our goals, but speak them, write them down. And, and that's what coaches support and accountability to make sure that you follow through and, mm -hmm. and really take the action steps needed to move the needle on you know, changing your job or, you know, whatever is going on. Right. But the thing is that the thing, the things that we think about are all in our head and we have to remember that our bodies trap a lot of information too. So that ache yeah. that you feel in your lower back, that's not just about bad posture half the time. That could be about your stress manifesting and festering in a space in your body that is holding your stress and your tension. And so part of the kind of coaching I do, at least transformational coaching is about tapping into your body, right? Our bodies are full of wisdom. And we've forgotten about that because we live in a society that operates at a pace of robots, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have to be on all the time. So that tinging that you feel in your shoulder or, you know, the headache that keeps coming back and forth, we don't even, we, we've normalized it, right? We don't even yeah. acknowledge it as something as a... Right, right. Like what's the instant overnight fix? Instant gratification culture. And it's incredibly challenging um, for our bodies to keep up the way it is. Yeah. So no wonder we break down, right? No wonder we get sent to the hospital or something pretty severe happens. And so as a coach, 
I am offering visualizations and interactive exercises that are helping you tune back into that place that's really important, you know, your heart, you know, the yeah. thing that's yeah. beating 50,000 <laughs> times a day, right? Don't quote me on that. I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> you know, like, our bodies have so much information. Mm -hmm. And what's really important about a coach here is that we hold space for you to acknowledge what that information is, because it's really, really important information. And to your point about like therapy and coaching, I think you got to choose the modality that works for you. But I think this is where I should probably tell you what's the difference between therapy and coaching, because I think a lot of people mix up the two. Yeah. And so therapy is wonderful and it's very past focused. So you're talking about a lot of the stuff that happened before today mm -hmm. and how, you know, and unpacking that, right. And, and why it's coming up for you now, but coaching differs because it's more about present focused. Mm -hmm. Where am I at? Where am I right now? No matter what I've been through and how can I get from point A to point B? So it's a little bit more about where am I now and how do I get to the future? How do I move the needle? How do I achieve that goal? But along the way, we are doing self-exploration to figure out what do you really need and value so that we can finally get all that stuff that's keeping you stuck and holding you back and keeping you in those repetitive patterns of working yourself into the ground to say, okay, how do we get this out of the way so I can finally be free? Yeah. Do you think, would you recommend that both of those should be used in conjunction? Like therapy th and coaching? I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I don't see why not. I know tons of yeah. people who have a therapist and seek a coach. This is another key difference between therapy and coaching that I would want to share. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a therapist, you can see a therapist for six weeks, six months, six years. You can go as long as you feel you need to. What's different and unique about coaching is that, one, you don't have to show up to go see someone in person. All mm -hmm. coaching, for the most part nowadays, happens virtually. So when I am coaching a client, I am working with them either over the phone or video chat. So you don't have to physically get up and get changed and go anywhere. So there's a convenience factor there. Um, and you can still experience a transformational impact. But another difference is that coaching for the most part is finite. So I don't have to see a coach for six months to six years. I could work with a coach for three weeks or three months mm -hmm. and be, be done. Because when right. I'm working with a coach, I'm going to get armed with the tools that I need so that now when I approach that thing that we talked about, even if life comes up and gets derailed or mom and dad throw the judgment and the shame and the guilt buckets on me, right? At least I'm armed with some concrete tools and strategies that I can employ so that I do not get derailed again. That, that was that, that answered one of the questions I had because I, I was wondering if it's something that people can implement in their lives, you know, moving forward is something that they need to get constant sessions for. So that answers that part. Um, yeah. And, and here's, I would add to that answer. I would say that, you know, for me, like I've seen coaches for six months at a time mm -hmm. and then I've sort of done a tune up, right? I have a coach that I, I love and trust. She's a woman of color. She gets my situation and all the life changes I've been through. Cause when I had my burnout in 2015, I also quit my job got pregnant, was unemployed and about to buy a house. And I started my business. So like I was scared to death. Okay. I 
was like, what's going on? Life is happening. How do I, what do I do? Like, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. I can't crawl in a hole. I got to have this kid. I got to find a job. Like I got to do something. Right. Um, but to your point about, you know, frequency, you can go back. So coach as often as you like, you know, it's really up to you, um, in terms of when you want that tune up, um, because every chapter in your life is going to present different challenges and things, right? So the coach is really going to help you get crystal clear on what's really coming up for you so that you can, you know, assess what's holding you back and then move past it and go forward. Gotcha. And so you, when we were talking about like, you know, the stresses in your body and like your body tends to hold that in and that's why you get all the, all sort of pains and et cetera. Um, you did also mention that you perform Reiki. Um, if you don't mind, like, you know, briefly speaking about what that is. Absolutely. So I am a Reiki practitioner and um, sort of in a nutshell, Reiki is an ancient Japanese healing art. It's used for relieving stress, providing relaxation. Um, it's supposed to improve your health, promote healing, and really just overall enhance the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. It's not related to any faith or religion. It's right. simple, it's natural, it's safe, and and most people refer to it as spiritual healing mm-hmm. and self-improvement. And um there, there's a, a guru or a doctor named Mikhail Yusui who founded this Reiki system of natural healing, and that's been sort of passed down to different teachers over the years. And so what's really interesting is that I had no clue about Reiki or exposure to it until I went to a wellness retreat. And mm-hmm. my husband is an army veteran, and I'm a veteran spouse. And so I noticed that these Reiki practitioners were giving Reiki to veterans and their families as a way to promote wellness. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I got my little Reiki chair treatment and all they were doing was just putting their hands on me. They weren't Mm -hmm. even touching me and they were, you know, sort of channeling this divine infinite Reiki light. And I never really thought anything of it. I was like, oh, that's calming and relaxing. But a few years later, it sort of come back into my life. And I was like, wait a minute, this makes sense. If you are burned out and you have no energy or very little energy left, it makes sense to be able to delve into something that is going to help you restore some of that. Um, You know, there are cancer patients who rely on Reiki as an alternative method to relieve chronic pain, or there are times where tumors have disappeared with Reiki, you know, so it's very powerful. And one thing I didn't know before, like I thought you could only do it like laying on a massage table or doing it on a chair, you can actually do long distance Reiki. So that's something that I do as well. Paper client asked for it. Um, but I think it, it's kind of like this bigger approach to figuring out like, how do we manage our energy? Cause I don't know if you've ever heard like people going like, I got to keep my vibration high. I gotta, I gotta make sure I got some good juju, right? Like what does yeah. that actually mean? Oh, that means that we have an energy body. Our chakras are telling us something that information I was telling you about what your body holds. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Our chakras are just one of many ways to help us make sense of it to indicate things to be able to create language about what's really going on inside of you because guess what if your stomach is hurting that could be tied to some other stuff not just like the actual body part so Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why i have integrated that into my practice as well gotcha 
Gotcha. Because, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people think it's a mythical thing. <laughs> like, oh, Reiki. Yeah, okay. Like, as soon as you say it, tell someone like Reiki, they're like, oh, God, okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, and here, you know, but what is that about, right? Like, let's look into that a little bit. Because mm-hmm. whenever we think about alternative practices, yeah. medicine, stuff like that, it sounds woo-woo. Yeah. However, if you think about it, our people in India were the ones who were doing it for hundreds of years. Yeah, and I mean, this go takes you right back to colonization. When we were colonized, guess what happened? All the Western medicine and everything came in and all the older stuff was gone. They swooped in. Yeah. They copped all of our practices. Mm-hmm. And then we weren't able to access the information that was already inherent to our lineages right and our generations and use it for ourselves Mm -hmm. because all of that stuff that people consider woo woo reiki ayurveda whatever that's all eastern culture yeah yeah i mean ayurveda was the one that like you know pioneered farm pharmacy and you know chemistry and all that like using plants to create medicines etc and then you know that's that's what modern medicine is now it's chemical but they make drugs out of it so and and you know it's funny when we talk about breaking stigma right yeah well one way to break stigma is to think about where we come from when you think about where all of these healing really Mm -hmm. incredibly healing practices and methods came from then that could be an aha for you to say, man, this isn't some made up stuff. Like this stuff works. This stuff is real. People were going to other people in villages to ask for help, to seek support for the things that they could not do themselves. It's also empowering in a way to, to know that that's where you came from and like, that's what the history was. And it's okay to, to be you kind of thing. Cause a lot of times like especially immigrant people, they when they come here, they try to assimilate as much as possible. And so they kind of lose track of like where they come from. So just to keep that in mind is also helpful in like, you know, staying true to yourself and taking a minute to realize like, hey, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And here's the thing though. We are so scared to take that minute to say, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I am enough to do this. I am powerful. I'm creative. I am strong. Mm-hmm. I am brave. I am smart enough to do this. And because we don't take that time or because we bypass it with memes and other kind of like <laughs> quick short-term things yeah. that, you know, we end up, we try to bypass burnout and then we end up getting right back into it to begin with. I mean, the beginning of this call, you shared that you have a, what is it, an Apple watch that yeah. is supposed to tell you to breathe. And what did you say you do? Uh, I just, I just mute it. You mute it, right? You ignore the very technological mo- uh, notification mm-hmm. that was supposed to remind you of something that you should be innately able to do. And what is that about, right? It's, and I'm not putting you on the spot. It's just, just, you know, it's just a hypothetical question for everybody. What is that about? What am I rushing to do? Why is it going to be life or death if I take five minutes to just take, you know, 
a walk outside and get some fresh air and refresh myself before I get back into my cubicle and crank mm-hmm. it out for another four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why I mute it, but I do. It's the easiest thing to do. They just press mute and you're done. You don't have to sit there and breathe for five minutes. So. And what's scary about sitting there and breathing for five minutes? Absolutely nothing. But I don't know why I don't do it. I, I think it's, just, it's not just me. A lot of people don't do this. But now I <laughs> it's like I spoke to Shanita, so now I'm going to do it. <laughs> no, but here, I love that you share that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Intellectually, you know that is good for you, that yeah. those five minutes are going to refresh you for the next five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that disconnect about for all of us, and myself included, because I haven't arrived. I'm still working on my own self-care and yeah. all the strategies that I need to be a good human being in my life. Um, but what is that disconnect about? It's about us not even being trained or taught how to take time for ourselves. And yeah. it's habit, right? It's mm-hmm. habit for you to ignore the notification now. So that's what coaches essentially do. They're helping you shift your mindset so that you can build in and create new habits that are going to serve you. So if you worked with me or, or another coach, mm-hmm. we could help shift your behavior and your habit so that shutting down that notification doesn't feel so uh, quick to do anymore. I mean, think about it. It's like weight loss, right? Yeah. You can't lose 50 pounds overnight. You hire a fitness trainer or you hire a nutritionist and you hire someone to help you take small action steps over time to shift that behavior. Because if you left it up to yourself nine times out of 10, it's going to be difficult without the support and accountability to follow through. Also, too, here's something to your point about, you know, thinking about what other people think, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're a culture of being afraid to make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. So get this. I felt that. One of the reasons why someone might be a little nervous about hiring a coach is, oh, no, I might make a mistake. I might not be perfect. Oh, like she or he or they, they're going to judge me. And then I'm going to be a loser. And then, you know, I'll have just failed at trying to better my life. Mm-hmm. I see you nodding your head. So, so right. That could, that's another fear. And guess what? When you work with the coach, a good coach is going to hold space for you to be right. Mm-hmm. This is a judgment free zone. You can make as many mistakes mistakes as you want or as you need to because as a coach I'm gonna help offer guidance and support and encouragement and so if you make a mistake that's okay let's try again let's course correct let's figure out what didn't work so we can institute something else that works you know Mm -hmm. and for many of us from our culture we don't we've never had safe space like that have you no no, definitely right? not. No. I never did. And I know so many, you know, the hundreds of people who are listening right now, I bet you haven't either. For someone to invite you to say, it's okay. It's, for, it's okay yeah. for you to be all hot mess right now. And I'm not going to judge you for it. And I'm going to help you get better and be your best. Not better for what, you know, mom and dad want you to be, but better for you. Because that's going to probably look very different, you know? Yeah. 
because because at the end of the day it's like you know you're your biggest supporter and if you don't take care of yourself then what's all what's it all about so and i gotta live my life right like yeah. i cannot be living f trying to fulfill somebody else's dream of being this or working like that you yeah. know what works for other people doesn't work for me and that's that's another like great perk about working with a coach because a coach is going to help you hold space to figure out what what's good for you what feels good for you on a personal level on a professional level on a spiritual level um because you know we only have one life right and so mm -hmm. we just got to make sure you know they people always have that phrase live your best life well what the heck does that look like if yeah. you don't give yourself space to actually figure that out right yeah. yeah no i agree this has been a learning experience to be honest i mean because apart from the fact that this is going to hundreds of people and they will you know listen to this and learn from this through all this conversation i was thinking about personal experiences and how I could tweak little things here and there, especially like not muting the Apple Watch uh, and take a minute to breathe. So, um, <laughs> I I definitely appreciate I appreciate you being here and you know talking to me because it's been helpful and I'm sure it will help others too. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was our conversation with Coach Anita Liu. Thank you for listening to Manmukti's podcast, Stories of Stigma. Do stay connected with us through our social media platforms at Manmukti on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time.